Scripture reading this morning will be from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 through, 22 through the end of the chapter. And I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version. <clears throat> Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Good morning, everybody. Some of the best counsel you could possibly be given. Some of the best counsel you could be given. Well, I know at the end of the year and just prior to a new year getting started, there's all kinds of places you can look for help. But if you really want to make the new year great, inspired counsel is the best place to look. Think about that. If you really want to make 2024 great, the best place to look is inspired counsel. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of First Peter. First Peter. And let me talk with you a little bit about what 1 Peter is all about. And then we're going to focus on 1 Peter 1, 22 through chapter 2 and verse 12. When we think about what 1 Peter is all about, if you and I are thinking about how to get the new year off right, think of this sentence. No matter what... Even if I go through trials and suffering, no matter what in 2024, even if I go through trials and suffering, I will rejoice in God's grace, living with hope and holiness and praising and glorifying my God. Now let me give you the sentence again and show you why. This is really what 1 Peter is all about. No matter what, even in times of trial and suffering, suffering is one of the key words of 1 Peter. It's mentioned 20 times in five chapters. It's mentioned in all five chapters of the book. Suffering. Was there any difficulty, pain, trial, or suffering in 2023? There will be times of difficulty and suffering and trial in 2024. The devil just won't let God's people alone. 
So no matter what, in times of trial and suffering, we will rejoice in God's grace. God's grace is mentioned specifically eight times in this book. But in 1 Peter 5, it refers to God as the God of all grace. 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. And it goes on to say in 1 Peter 5 and verse 12, this is the true grace of God in which you stand. I want something that's firm and solid when I'm going through really hard times in my life, when I feel overwhelmed and sinking. It's the true grace of God in which we are to stand. So, no matter what, in times of trial and suffering, rejoice in God's grace and live. Live. It's one of the most common words in this book. It's a key word in this book. Living your life. Living your life, how? With hope. We have a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. We are to be ready to give an answer for the hope we have as God's people. 1 Peter 3.15 We are to live in hope and holiness. We're to live in holiness, which means that we want to love the things that God loves and we want to, to hate the things that God hates. Be holy even as he who called you is holy. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. And this is something that we do to the glory and praise of God. That expression, glory or glorify, is found about 16 times in the book of 1 Peter. So one more time. In 2024, no matter what, whether I suffer or undergo trial, I want to rejoice in God's grace and live to His praise and glory. And I hope you do too. There's no better counsel that you could be given. Now look, if you will, at 1 Peter and how it focuses on Jesus. I'd like to say... I wish every Christian, whether they were suffering or tried, no matter what, that they'd rejoice in God's grace and live with hope and holiness, seeking to glorify God. But that can be a struggle sometimes, can it? Keep looking to Jesus. When we look at Jesus in 1 Peter, notice chapter 1, verse 3. He is the source of our hope. No Jesus, no hope. But to know Jesus, K-N-O-W, is to know a living hope. Keep looking at 1 Peter 1. Look at verses 10 through 12. He is the long-awaited Savior. He's the one that the prophets talked about. He's going to be coming. And how wonderful and glorious it'll be when He comes. Well, now we know that He has come. 
But the fact is, he's coming again, and how wonderful and glorious that will be. When you look at 1 Peter 1, you see that Jesus is the source of our hope, and you see that Jesus, he's the one concerning whom all the prophets of the Old Testament point, and they prophesy, they're talking about him coming. But you also see in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, that he is the Lamb, without spot and without blemish, who gives his blood for our sins. Chapter 2, who's Jesus? Verse 6, he is the chief cornerstone. He is the chief cornerstone. And a cornerstone is the initial stone laid in the foundation upon which every other piece of the structure rests. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation, 1 Corinthians 3.11, but he is also the chief cornerstone, 1 Peter 2 and verse 6, which means he is the initial stone laid as part of the foundation and all of the structure has him underneath. We're underneath, really, Jesus, we could say. Talk about a weight-bearing load. We place ourselves under him, but he is really the one who's the foundation and the cornerstone. You look at this chapter again. In chapter 2, 21 and 22, he's our example. In chapter 3 and verse 15 and verse 22, he is our Lord. He's our Lord, Jesus is. I want to keep my mind focused on who he is so I can rejoice in the grace of God and I can live with hope and holiness no matter what, all to his praise, all to his glory. Chapter 4. 1 Peter 4, 1. He is our example in suffering. Arm yourselves and be ready to suffer because Jesus did. And if Jesus did, so will those who bear his name. Christian. Look at chapter 5 of 1 Peter. He is the chief shepherd. 1 Peter 5 verse 4. He's the one upon whom we can cast all our cares. He cares for us. 1 Peter 5 7. He's the one that will help us to deal with the lion, the devil. Think about how David in the Old Testament killed a lion and a bear. Well, the Lord can sure help us deal with far bigger lions and far bigger bears than David the shepherd ever faced. He's greater than David. What an awesome God we have. Now turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at 18, really verse 22 through 25, I guess. And then we'll continue into chapter 2 and verse 12. And what you've got here is image after image. As a matter of fact, seven images. And if we can get the image and really get the picture that Peter is drawing for us through the Holy Spirit, it will help us get the new year off right. 
It's great to have family here. And one of the most common sayings in our family is, remember who you are and whose you are. And what Peter is exhorting these Christians who are being persecuted to do is remember who you are and whose you are. Get the picture. Get the picture. So let's look at 1 Peter 1, verses 22 through 25 for the first image. As part of God's family, love one another purely and fervently. As part of God's family, love one another purely and fervently. These are people who had come to obedience of the truth. See that in this verse? Verse 22, put in your Bibles 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. They are people who had come in obedience to the truth, in obedience to the word of truth, the gospel, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls, James 1 and verse 21. But the emphasis is that we should have love as family, verse 22, because we have been born into the same family, verses 23 through 25, God's family. By obedience to the truth, we have the same love for one another because we are part of the same family. Now you think about that. God's love for us is constant. Amen? Thank God for that. God's love for us is pure. And God's love for us is intense and enthusiastic. Take the opposite. I pray that in 2024... Our love will be constant for one another. God's is. I pray that our love for one another will be pure. Pure. That's what's found in 1 Peter 1.22. Pure love. Impure and inconsistent. Hit and miss, we might say. May we not exhibit a love for one another like that. And then the passage goes on to say, pure, constant, and fervent. Fervent. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 8, the Word of God would say, love one another. He'd go on to write, because love covers a multitude of sins. As part of God's family, we are called to love fervently and with purity. By this shall all men know you're my disciples, by your love one for another. John 13, 34 and 35. 
Be kindly affectioned to one another in brotherly love. Romans 12 and verse 10. That image. I want to remember who I am and whose I am and how that should express itself to others in the same family. Amen. Number two. Look, if you will, at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. As newborn babes, as newborn babes, we are called to growth and development. As newborn babes, we are called to growth and development. Now, notice what happens here. As we begin 1 Peter chapter 2, what happens is this. We are told to rid ourselves or to take off five sins, malice. We are to rid ourselves of a spirit of malice. And if I could call it uh, as it really is, mean-spirited. People who belong to Jesus and remember that. They don't want to behave with malice toward anyone, with a mean, vindictive spirit. Hateful. And then, you keep looking at this passage, deceit. How can a child of God simultaneously act like a child of the devil? He's a liar and a murderer, John 8, 44. Malice and deceit. Rather than tenderheartedness and truth. Ephesians 4, 32. Ephesians 4.15. Think with me, if you will, on the third sin. And, and then I want you to ask yourself as we work our way through these, why does he begin talking about these sins that need to be cast aside? Hypocrisy. To play a part. To act. Young people, boys and girls, it might be to pretend... To pretend to be someone or something that we're not. Remember who you are and whose you are. True and honest, sweet-spirited and caring, genuine and authentic. Keep looking at the passage. You'll see... A fourth sin mentioned. The sin is envy. Matthew 27 verse 18. It was for envy that Jesus was delivered up. Envy is the rottenness of the bones. Proverbs 14 and verse 30. Because when envy occurs, not only do we wish that someone didn't have someone or something... We wish we had it instead. And then what's the last sin? Slander in some translations 
In other translations, evil speaking. Is that what you see? Slander? It's not simply speaking falsely about someone. The word here carries with it the idea of that, but it's more. Evil speaking carries with it the idea of speaking about others in a disparaging way characteristically. You know anybody like that? Most stand-up comics in America today make their living out of speaking disparagingly about someone else. Sadly, there's probably too much of that in the church. Not everything that is true needs to be said. Things that are untrue are slanderous. But even if they are true, we need to be careful lest we be guilty of evil speaking and just running someone down to build ourselves up. And then what he goes on to say in verse 2 and 3 is this. And Peter shows his, uh, his knowledge of the Old Testament in verse 3. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Psalm 34 verse 8. Taste and see that he's good. You've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Rejoice in his grace and live with hope and holiness. Giving glory and praise to his blessed name. Now verse 2 says... Long for the sincere spiritual milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As newborn babies long to grow and develop. As newborn babies. If a baby doesn't want to eat, if a baby's not hungry, something's the matter with that child, huh? They eat and they eat often. They eat and they want to eat well. Kind of like some of us over the last few days, huh? Have any of you been full over the last several days and yet you ate just a little bit more? Because it was so good. God's word is so good and so nourishing. We should ardently desire, we should crave his word. Does that sound like you? Have you had that kind of outlook and disposition throughout 2023? May it be our prayer to have that outlook and that attitude more in 2024 than we've ever had it in our lives. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after your righteousness. You'll be filled, Jesus said. Matthew 5 and verse 6. Your word have I esteemed more than my necessary food, Job 23 and verse 12. Your word was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Your word was found and I did eat it, Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. We've looked at three images. Let's consider a fourth image. Let's consider what's found. Ah, number three, I'm sorry, getting ahead of myself. You've got first as what? 
members of God's family, part of God's family, love one another with purity and fervency. Number two, like newborn babes, crave, understand we're called to grow and develop. Number three, as living stones, this is from 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 8. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 8. As living stones, we are called to unity and togetherness. As living stones, we're called to unity and togetherness. Now, here's what happens. As Peter discusses this through inspiration of the Spirit of God, he refers to Jesus as a living stone. Because he's arisen from the grave. He's not dead. He's very much alive. And we have a living hope because of the resurrection of Christ. 1 Peter 1.3 Now, he goes on to describe Jesus as rejected by men, but chosen and precious to God. Now, he's the cornerstone. Remember that? 1 Peter 2.6 but this passage goes on to speak of Christians as living stones that make up the great house of God. As living stones that make up the great house of God, we are called to togetherness and unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133 verse 1. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, taken to be tried, and then the crucifixion that would follow, Jesus was praying that we would be a people of unity and togetherness. On the basis of the word of God. John 17, 20 and 21. The Bible says, let there be no divisions among you. But speak the same thing and be of the same mind and judgment. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, that whether I come to see you or be absent, I hear of your state, that you stand fast with one spirit, with one soul, striving together for the faith of the, the gospel. Philippians 1.27. So often, people who are Christians are good at fussing and fighting. They're striving. But not for the faith of the gospel. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so, as living stones in the great house of God. Remember Jesus talked about building his church in Matthew 16, verse 18? Well, we are living stones in the great house of God. And there needs to be a sense of unity, and there needs to be a sense of togetherness if we are going to honor Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Continue with me. A religiously divided world, before I leave this point, shows that individuals are not concerned about the prayer of Jesus. A religiously divided world shows that we're not concerned enough about the prayer of Jesus in John 17. And it also shows that the devil is doing his work 
a lot more diligently than we may be. That's 1 Peter 2, 4 through 8. Togetherness, unity, fellowship is another good word there. To continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Acts 2.42 We have fellowship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, verse 3, as we walk in the light. 1 John 1, 7 through 10. Consider this with me. Look at verses 9 and verse 5. You'll see yet another image. As holy priest in God's temple, we're called to worship and serve. As holy priest in God's temple, verse 5 and verse 9, we're called to worship and serve. In the Old Testament, they had a temple. In the New Testament, God's people are a temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16 In the Old Testament, they had a priesthood. In the New Testament, Christians are a priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9. We are made a kingdom and priest. Revelation 1, verse 6. And this section, of course, refers to a pretty well-known Old Testament passage. Exodus 19, 4 and 5. At least uh, when you're looking at verse 9 of 1 Peter 2. As holy priest in God's kingdom, we worship and serve. Receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace, whereby we may offer service that is well-pleasing to God with reverence and godly fear. Hebrews 12, 28. What do priests do? What do priests do? Whether it's in the Old Testament times or in the New, priests offer sacrifices... Priest, serve the Lord. We offer sacrifices. Our body, Romans 12, 1. The fruit of our lips, Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. We offer sacrifices. Giving. Giving is described as a fragrant sacrifice to God. And as priest, in the New Testament, we serve. We serve God. As 2024 comes, listen, y'all. Listen, Austin, young guy. Listen, someone not so young. Listen, somebody that's getting older than he wishes, faster than he wishes, Brother Mike. 2024 needs to be a year when I am really concerned about being a holy priest that worships and serves my God. What does your attendance in public worship say 
about you as a high priest, as a priest rather of God. What does your desire to praise Him say about you as a priest? What does your service say about your priesthood as you go through the regular affairs of your life, the job, at home, etc.? God forbid that we should be one type of person when we assemble and a completely different type of person away from the building. What does my giving say about my priesthood? What does my compassion for my brothers and sisters who are hurting say about my priesthood? These are questions that people who want to be a God-honoring priest ask themselves. There were lots of priests in the Old Testament, weren't there? But by far, it doesn't seem that most of them were as good as you'd hope. Isn't that the truth? I hope the same thing is not true in the body of Christ and its priesthood today. Again, notice this, number five, as God's treasured people, as God's treasured people, verses 9 and 10, we are to live with humble assurance and purpose. As God's treasured people, look at verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. God's treasured people. That's what he's saying. People who believe that they are treasured by God, bought and paid for by Jesus. When you look at the passage, look at verses 9 and 10. God says, you are now my people. Do you see that? Once we're not a people... But now you are my people. We can have humble assurance. I can be a child of God. You can be a child of God. Humble assurance. But that's not all it says. We can have humble assurance and we can have purpose because this same passage, verses 9 and 10 says... You have received mercy. You are my people. You have received mercy. If there's two gifts that any of us should want, it should be to be treasured by God and to have His mercy. 
and then the purpose. Look at verse 9 and 10. The purpose of being God's treasured people, people who God knows is His own, people that have received mercy, is so that we can proclaim the excellencies and the praises of the one who called us. May every word and may every thought and may every action proclaim the excellencies and the praises of the one who made us his children and who extended to us his mercy. I want more of that in 2024. I hope you do too. Number six. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. We move quickly. As strangers and pilgrims, we're called to godliness and holiness. As strangers and pilgrims, we're called to godliness and holiness. See this with me, y'all. Verses 11 and 12 shift from our relationship with one another primarily to our relationship with a hostile world. You starting to think that the world's a lot more hostile to people that want to be Christians? Note that this passage talks about godliness and holiness negatively. Abstain, verse 11. Abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Can I ask you a question? I hope you'll let me and that you'll think about the answer. Do you have a tendency to get much too comfortable in this world? And we have to live here for a while. We work here. We speak the language to some degree. But we must remain strangers and pilgrims. Think of Abraham, Hebrews eleven thirteen. He looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. The passage goes on to tell us, so should we. Follow after godliness, pursue godliness. 1 Timothy 6, 11. Godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6 verses 9 and 10. The Bible says that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Titus 2, 11 and 12. Godly. The world or God? The creation or the creator? That's what we're talking about. I'm going to tell you what. The world emphasizes how much stuff do you got. Someone that's godly and wants to be holy emphasizes how healthy is my relationship with God. The world emphasizes how much money do you have. How famous are you? How much power do you have? And godliness and integrity emphasize what kind of servant are you? 
What kind of treasure are you really laying up? It emphasizes who you are and whose you are. Godliness and holiness. Pursue holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. What manner of people ought you to be in all holy conversation? 2 Peter 3, 11 through 14. One more and you've listened well. Thank you. I want the church at Westside and all of our guests to get the new year started right. I don't know of any better counsel than God's Word. And this passage is laying it out in picture after picture of who we are and the kind of people we should be because of His grace and the hope that we have in Him. Notice 11 and 12. As servants of the Most High God, as servants of the Most High God, we are called, we're called to citizenship and to conduct worthy of citizens. As servants of the Most High God, we're called to citizenship. We're strangers and pilgrims here, even if we're citizens of the United States of America, because we have a greater and better citizenship in heaven, Philippians 3.20. And when you look at 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, in verse 11 it says, abstain from fleshly lust. That's one way that we go about things, negatively, but positively, keep your conduct your manner of life appropriate so that when others speak evil of you, they'll stop for a moment and think, well, wait a minute. This type of, of living is something that everybody should appreciate. And they will be made to glorify God because of how you live your life. Man, that's something to pray. God, may I conduct myself in such a way that even when people in the world see me, they will be made to glorify you because I want nothing more than to honor you by my life. Wow. Get the picture, but get the meaning behind each picture. Think about how we began. Best counsel ever, inspired counsel. In 2024, no matter what, no matter what the trial, no matter what we suffer, let us rejoice in His grace. Living with hope and holiness. Praising God and giving Him all the glory.
that'll not just make 2024 a great year. It will help us to grow a great soul. As we close, for Christians, these are four words that I hate the most. I don't want God to say them about me. I don't want him to say them about you. Not rich toward God. Luke 12, 21. I'd rather be rich toward God than have the whole world. How about you? Now, sometimes I struggle with the answer there. I admit it. But the riches of God and treasuring Him are far greater than what the world has to offer. For those that are not in Christ, come to Jesus. Come to the Lamb that's without spot or blemish and have your sins washed away. Be a servant of the Most High. Be a holy priest in His kingdom, a living stone in His house. Become a brother or sister in God's family. What in the world are you waiting for? And I'll guarantee you this. If you're waiting on something, it ain't worth it. Come to Him. Come to Him now. Let us stand and sing.